Hey, moms and daughters of the world. Word on the street is there's a new popular podcast in town, and the teen TV drama mamas, Angie and Dr. Nikki, have been spotted on many platforms. And I don't mean in Grand Central Station. They've been talking trash behind all of our favorite celebrities' backs and teaching them some important lessons. Join the mom and daughter party for mind-blowing insights into the psyche of those badly behaved teen characters we know and love. You'll discover a fresh new way to approach stressful problems so you can have more fun and connection than you ever dreamed possible. XOXO, love the teen TV drama mamas. Mwah! Hi everyone. Welcome back. Let's let's talk about Gossip Girl. So much has happened again. Watching two episodes and we get to talk about all the things. Seeing Blair's downfall, we have all kinds of parent relationship dynamics happening. We have the circle of trust and the lying and sneaking around. To talk about to discuss so talking about episodes 12 and 13 today and here we are with episode seven nikki what do you think oh my god <laughs> that was quite a party that they had in the school pool wasn't it it was pretty wild oh yeah yeah we started off with this intro of everyone at the pool drugs drinking martini glasses um and then someone hits their head and it turns out they were at the school the there was a life and death situation with a, a nobody at school and everyone got in trouble so now we have to look at when you choose to be honest about the mistakes you've made or when you choose to try to keep everything hidden and under wraps so nobody gets in trouble. And that's what we see happening with the gang this week. Yeah, I, I mean, just to give them a little bit of kudos, because, you know, if, if nothing had happened, everything would have been kind of all fun and games and that's it, you know, but people did actually jump in to help this kid and save him, which I was really glad about, as opposed to everybody panicking and just running away. So I think the kid was okay. So there were, there were some choices that were made, even though I don't know how much drinking or drugs were being taken. But but this kid didn't. It kind of reminds me. Do you remember that Mandy Moore movie, A Walk to Remember? You know where they were initiating one kid, and and he had to jump into some quarry, and he ends up hurting himself, and uh, and that's when they all have their turnaround as a group. Like something hard happens in the face of what normally they do without any difficulties. Oh, okay. I I haven't seen that before, but. But yes, right, this this scenario is not unfamiliar in the world of teen TV. So there's a party happening, the adults don't know, there's some disaster, a vase is broken, or a kid gets hurt, and then <laughs> we we have the scenario of are we gonna tell the adults who who's gonna take the blame 
and we all have to save ourselves. But uh, you're right. I think it's so funny that our standard now at watching Gossip Girl, you're like, well, it's great that they didn't just like leave the kid to die and all run away. <laughs> I swear I don't expect much more from them. It's really weird. <laughs> I was like, and that's so funny that you said that about the vase. Are you talking about Risky Business or what, what show were you talking about with the vase? I mean, I think, isn't that every F is that Boy Meets World, Growing Pains, I've, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I feel like that's surely got to be a scene in every teen TV. Did it happen on Dawson's Creek? Oh, Probably. I'm sure it must have. I haven't watched Dawson's Creek, but... But you're so right, that whole idea about the vase being broken and everybody like taking responsibility or not taking responsibility. That's yeah, hysterical. Right. Well, what do you believe about that circle um, of trust? Like that whole skull and bones thing they were thinking about nobody telling. Because clearly there was different things at stake for Dan, who's there on a scholarship and has worked his butt off to get to this point without anybody able to kind of save him. And Serena, who, like you were saying doesn't even know that she has this protective little shield around her. She's almost oblivious to it. Yeah, I mean, I think the point, watching it in 2022, I'm thinking about white privilege. Like, I'm seeing it as privilege begets privilege. And in your, if you're in that bubble, she just doesn't even know how far her privilege extends. She feels like I screwed up once, so I'm in a precarious spot now and I I need to save myself to be at this school. But we find out later that it's not true. Somebody's swooping in behind her to save her anyway. When she said, I know my, my mom didn't call anyone or pull any strings on this, we find out later that Chuck Bass's father, who's interested in, in proposing marriage to Serena's mom, wanted to save Serena and swooped in to save her. And Dan points that out to her, like, you have this privilege and I have, I really need this school and I don't want to be expelled. Um, so is it worth getting away with this party or should I just, if Dan knew the truth, maybe he could tell the truth. Well, I think Dan knew the truth at that point at the end when he was in with the, the principal and um, and he he wasn't going to tell on Serena. So he actually made that choice himself that he wasn't going to out her. And it was kind of interesting that it was her that he would need to out because if he had to out Chuck or Blair or somebody like that, I don't think that would have been as hard for him. But now he had to choose between getting this person that he loves so much in trouble or not, you know, and not violating that circle of trust. So that's an interesting choice that he has to make in order to save himself or not save himself. And it was, I, and I really did believe that maybe because Serena had been through a lot and really came forward and probably promised certain things that she would get out of it. But it, it didn't happen that way. Bart Bass had to call the principal and actually he, he made it seem like that principal was almost too difficult, like that she really was almost going to toe the line. And, and he was annoyed by that. Right. Yeah. He, he's used to getting away with everything with completely no repercussions. And then here Serena has to do some hours of community service and he feels like that was too much, too much of a repercussion that he didn't 
want to face. So we get insight into Chuck's world of really feeling comfortable and the security of living with no responsibility, like not going to have to face repercussions for anything that he does, it seems like. Yeah, absolutely. And he has definitely been involved with some pretty bad behavior. So it, it seems fairly clear that, that Chuck can get off the hook. And now that Serena is somewhat related, that uh, <laughs> that Serena can get off the hook. Now, would you pick Bart Bass over Rufus just because you wouldn't want Dan to be your stepbrother? Do you know what I mean? Like that whole idea about, <laughs> about Lily not going off with Rufus and instead somehow like still marrying Bart what would you do I mean well that was interesting because this is kind of one of the the recognizes the child's needs and requests and puts the when the mom hears Serena say I don't want you to date Dan's father instead of the mom choosing what she wants for her she puts her child's needs in front of her own so that seemed special but again it's this terrible sacrifice and why would you agree to marry someone the very next day if you had realized you were <laughs> with someone else it does seem like she could have the option to say I'm just gonna stand on my own two feet right now and not be with anyone but we don't see that happen we don't actually know the story because i don't know the story about serena's dad yet and i haven't watched all of gossip girl and now coming back so i i'm assuming that there is some reason and it's not uncommon for women to somehow create a business deal she created that business deal with her mother in order to not marry rufus originally so that she would get the inheritance and now there is something else that she clearly needs that we're just not sure what it is but i don't think that that's very unlikely you know just generally historically how women somehow created safety whether it be economic or not and I think it's really interesting thinking about this you know in this political climate we're in right now in in 2022 you know with the reversal of Roe v. Wade and women's rights or not rights to their own autonomy or not. And so I think that, that it has always been that women have not had autonomy in many different directions. So, yeah, so maybe Serena's mom is feeling trapped. She's feeling her limited choices and feels, I guess, like she has to marry Art Bass as like, that's her best option. It, it seems like that might be her best option. But again, we don't have the full story about how she makes her money financially, where she gets her money from, what's happened with Serena's father or not, what kind of plans she has for her future. In her mind, Bart Bass is probably probably as good as any, and he seems to really like her and he pays good attention to her. So I'm just wondering, does she not expect any more? Maybe this is not about the love of your life. I think Rufus was probably the love of her life from what I could tell. And now he's back in her life, confusing things, but. I mean, I did notice, and yeah, in the scope of women's choices and the availability of 
options for women, like you were saying in the in 2022 today, um, I noticed that Rufus said, I love you. And then Lily said, what are you offering? It, she, it was such a weird response. And I thought, does that show that she's just seeing this as transactional? Like, what, what are you offering me? Or what do you have to offer? If you're a struggling musician, you cannot provide the life that I want to lead or the things I'm accustomed to. It seemed a little, and then she did end up saying, I do want to be with you. Rufus when she listened to her heart and then went back with Serena's with Serena's input that she did, does not want her mom to date her boyfriend's father and changed again her decision and decided to be with Chuck's father instead. And and why do you think that Serena didn't want her mom to marry Dan's father is that because she didn't want whatever the stigma was of being related or was it because she just didn't want her mom that close and getting involved I, I'm trying to figure out what what she was most worried about yeah to me it seemed like Serena wanted to protect her relationship with Dan is really special and important to her and she said it's the most important thing in my life and it was like her mom could screw it up or if something went sour with her mom and his dad that could affect their relationship so it would just be I don't want my mom to be affecting this relationship in any way it seemed like that's how I was interpreting it or guessing yeah that totally makes sense so it's it's about her just not wanting whatever the relationship between her mom and Rufus is to somehow get in the way of her and Dan's relationship or screw it up. That's what it felt like to me. And it felt like if you're, whatever you're doing with Chuck, Chuck's dad, I don't care if it's working or not working or that relationship explodes, then that doesn't have an impact on mine and Dan's relationship. Right. So it definitely doesn't have an impact on her and Dan's relationship, but it definitely has an impact on her life. That's for sure. Having Chuck Brown that much and then having Chuck's father somehow calling the shots. So there'll be a lot less room in the house for Serena and Eric. That's for sure. With, with Chuck's father around. Right. You know, and then they're at, at the mercy of Chuck, who is so manipulative or seems to be manipulating. And now that they're so close and connected and there's a lot for the mom to lose, like, does she have to treat Chuck differently or does she have to be good to him? Or like, that sounds like a worse bargain to me. I'd go with Rufus, <laughs> to be honest with you. <laughs> like, yeah, I would not I mean, be part see- of that family. I'm that family what a mess we see that Chuck only understands money he offers to buy Vanessa off when Vanessa has a a videotape of him saying incriminating things he he says that line like I have security in my family Dan your family's poor so they don't offer anything and kind of indicates that being rich offers him security that's it's like that's all he understands so Chuck's world is clearly not one of love or compassion or acceptance. It's just money, bribery, manipulation. I mean, that's kind of capitalism in general, right? Like Uh you can, 
you can pretty much step on anything for infinite growth. Right. Isn't that the way it, it kind of works in this weird way? And our kind of, you know, so so it, it, it's just a, a bigger extreme, you know, with people that I think when this is happening all the time without regard for groups of people or marginalized people and and where they live and and so on. So so I definitely see this happening, you know, where organizations and companies can step on whoever they step on in order to move something forward or further. So it, it doesn't seem that unlikely to me. I think it's pretty, it was pretty sassy of Vanessa though to give him a blank and fake tape and still take his money. Like that seems like the ultimate screw you. Yeah. Like, and then and then she actually gave Blair the, you know, like, cause she thought Nate was a good guy and she gave Blair the tape. And Blair couldn't stand owing her something. Like she wanted to continue to hate Vanessa for whatever reason she chose to. And so felt like she had to give back. I thought that was so interesting, that transaction. Yeah, that was unexpected. And and then we get the insight into Blair's mind where it is, it's, she wants things, she has her own sense of fairness and she has her own sense of how the, the, like queenship works and how her power and her ruling operate and she felt like she didn't want to owe Vanessa she didn't want to have to be nice to her she did appreciate that Vanessa did something for her and so she offered in turn and she ended up paying her rent for her so that makes Blair a much more sympathetic sympathetic character than Chuck, right? Who's just not aware or thinking about the fairness of any of this. He's just assuming his money will buy him out of whatever he, whatever situation he gets into. Yeah, no, I definitely, I, I happen to like Blair because Blair, you kind of know what her motivations are often. And so at least that's something that, and, and that's kind of why I like Chuck too. Like, you uh -huh. know, what's going on, but, but, but I'm still, I'm still liking these characters. You know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not disliking any one of them in particular. I'm finding something interesting about all of them. I'm not saying that they're all acting well. I, I, I definitely am finding myself like a, a little bit more annoyed with the parents than I am with the kids. Like, I guess I, I don't expect as much from the kids, but I definitely expect more from the parents in some ways. Yeah. So I don't know what you think about that. Well, I don't, there's, I'm so disturbed by Chuck, like, and his power role over Blair. And then as he like flirts with Serena, he's clearly like, he cares about Blair. He feels more than just an slight attraction to Blair. And then in his denial of that, or as she refuses him, when he turns around to Serena and makes this sleazy comment about we're siblings now, so we can bathe together. It's just so gross to me. Like he's still pretty gross. Yeah, no, he's definitely gross, but I don't expect anything different from him. That's the interesting <laughs> part. It's that he's been pretty consistent in this grossness. I did feel bad for him that he liked Blair that much though. And his heart was that broken you know like like I was like oh Chuck can really love somebody that's that's so interesting to me like he can actually be that 
in love or that interested. It, it comes out in all screwed up and messed up ways how we show it. Like, how do you show somebody you love them? You know, how do you act that out when they don't love you in the same way or they disappoint you or they hurt you? Yeah. And I, I think that's, that, that's kind of the interesting thing to watch. You know what I mean? Like, like he clearly was hurt and he was clearly upset. And instead of really like, allowing himself to love her fully and let her make the choices that she makes. He was just trying to manipulate it in the direction he wanted it to go in. Right. Which doesn't seem like love to me. Just, you know, it's definitely control, but right. I don't know if he's ever had a true role model of what love is. Well, that's, yeah, I'm wondering sure. too, like how, where would Chuck have learned Although that? Although Nate's a pretty good friend to him. Nate is a good friend to him. And then we see him having these discussions with Nate. Yeah. Where he's sabotaging Nate's relationship with Blair and making every attempt to make Nate miserable while secretly being in love with his girlfriend and trying to manipulate Blair. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then in another yeah. world. I mean, to, to what end, I don't know. Yes, right. Who, when, to to what end? I have no idea right. what what he assumed was going to happen. Right, that that Nate was just going to give up and Blair was going to fall in love with Chuck, and then that we are really in love with each other and we're so sorry, but you guys were broken up, kind of thing. Do you think that's how he envisioned it? Like, what do you imagine Chuck was trying to see happen there, in the way that he was acting? Yeah, right. I mean, I think he wants Blair to realize, like, that Chuck, I love you more than, than Nate, and we're a better pair, and you're the one for me. And <laughs> he's just waiting for that to happen, it seems like to me, or trying to pull all the strings to make that happen, but not having any luck so far. So if Chuck is a redeemable character, remains to be seen right now. We've seen kind of one side of him. And what do you think about Serena, Nikki? Like, can she overcome her past? Because this is the idea that her past is still haunting her, that she's still known as a bad girl or a party girl. She sort of slipped back into that behavior when she thought, well, I'll just go to the school and I still have the key and we'll have a fun little party. Nothing bad will happen. Is she still that party girl? Has she turned a new leaf? Can you let go of your past? I, I think you get to redefine your future. Like, I don't think you're completely defined by your past. I think Serena probably has both things in her like she's still figuring out who she is and she's definitely kind of gotten over whatever the past said about her in terms of her making new friends and her really trying to be thoughtful and kind you know I I, I think Serena looks like she's moving whatever she's moving forward she's doing much better in school you know she has a boyfriend that that is really nice and very very thoughtful and very smart she's she's trying the best that she possibly can I really love her relationship with Eric I love how honest she seems to be I'm kind of loving her trying to be close to Vanessa even though Vanessa is still clearly having feelings for Dan mm -hmm. but she's she's 
I think she's just human doing human things and sometimes making bad choices, but I definitely don't think, you know, unredeemable bad choices. And, and I think that she has, you know, that's that whole thing. And we probably are getting into the next episode a little bit is that she's been kind of asked to redefine herself in a way. Now, th the end of that, that next episode where Blair, and, and we could probably talk about that a little further, but where Blair is going to go off and, you know, not wanting to look at whatever hard is happening to her at the present moment, but having to leave someplace else and Serena asking her to stay and fight. Serena actually was asked to leave and did leave, but did come back and put herself in a situation where she, she would have to come to to terms with whatever happened yeah I would think I, I think you're right this does this lines up with the next episode and we see Blair um kind of come to a a downfall it's and then decide what she's going to do but I think in general high school is a really hard time to reinvent yourself and um Maybe, maybe that's not true. It's a great time to reinvent yourself and decide who you're going to be, unless you have a, I think a label or some kind of the, the group of kids that you may have grown up with or have spent time with in the last recent years, kind of make it hard to change. If you went from being a very, a book reader kind of person to a very outgoing party person I think that the high school reputation and the crowd sort of want you to stay in your original role and don't like to see people change it makes it a little more challenging to shed a past habit that you had and start fresh what do you think Yeah, I, I definitely think it's hard. I mean, sometimes you're kind of forced to do it given whatever happens in the group or the situation or some way in which you've had to separate from the group. I guess it would be an interesting thing to not feel like when you're separated from the group that life is over, but rather there's an opportunity there to try to figure out how to redefine yourself in a way that you could be proud of and in a way that you would want to show up and 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 be in a situation and you know and move yourself forward and achieve what you want to achieve so so I think it's a great opportunity even though it feels really bad and it definitely is hard mm -hmm. right so we see Serena being know, what do you think, successful Angie? in that I think you're right I think so we see Serena being able to let go of that past she's making a new you know, person of herself, she's making it clear that she now has a serious boyfriend who she's committed to. She's not that party girl. And then we see Blair. So in this episode, episode 13, it comes out that Blair has slept with two guys in one week. And I just thought it was shocking how that spread through Gossip Girl school the way that every single time there's an announcement from Gossip Girl it spreads but somehow this is devastating and this is taking Blair down in all her power and all the mean things people have done and said somehow sleeping with two guys is like 
the most unbearable thing that you could never overcome and people judging her and calling her a slut and that she's like at this point where she says I'm so embarrassed and she's ready to leave everything and run away to France. Yeah, I, I think it's it's pretty wild. So is that what happened? It was it was because she slept with two people in one week or was it did did anybody get wind of the fact that she was the one that they were worried about being pregnant with or not? Or yeah, that's what they said. That, they you know. said, well, it I'm sure I'm sure Chuck's glad that you're not pregnant and I'm sure Nate's also glad he's not the father but I don't even think that pregnancy was the alarming part everyone was worried that she had slept with two guys in one week it seemed like yeah definitely and that was so interesting because Serena seemed to take that whole gossip around you know her being pregnant or her buying that pregnancy test you know, fairly well. She still was covering for Blair. She still wanted to make sure that Blair was okay, you know, and kind of pushed her into taking that test, which I thought was, I, I thought was very mature, like emotionally mature of Serena, that she didn't get confused or distracted by the fact that it was going around the school, that there's a possibility that she might be pregnant, even right. though the test wasn't her. Yes, this is such a good example. I thought that too, Nikki, of like what other people are saying about you doesn't matter. It's how you react. So here we have this situation where everyone in the school is whispering that Serena might be pregnant. She's the She was seen purchasing a pregnancy test and Serena could care less. She's making jokes on the street like, yep, I'm pregnant. The baby's yours to some random who walks by. Like she's not letting that bother her too much. But when if if people are saying that about us and we believe it's true or we have some fear we react so differently then we're not boldly saying things on the street and feeling bulletproof yeah no i think you're so right about that that you know there has to be something that you believe about yourself in order for you to allow that to really you know get to you and also get you to to move away from your goal or your intended reason why you're doing it. And Serena's intention was really to help Blair and help Blair think about, you know, cause Blair was feeling sick and vomiting and acting differently. And she knew she had slept with Chuck. So, you know, that um, I, I thought Serena handled that really well. And I just, I have like a kind of life example about that because uh, my kids are both working in a camp right now. And my son's a counselor to, fairly young boys like nine-year-olds and this one kid keeps saying mean things to this other kid and this other kid is you know always upset and hysterical and crying and they're trying to get the boy that's saying mean things to stop saying mean things and I was like you know it's really great that you get somebody to stop saying mean things but you also get an opportunity to work with the other one who has internalized the mean things he's saying as somehow true mm -hmm. You know, and he gets to decide what he thinks about it also. So there's work to be done on both ends. I don't know what you think about that. Yes, exactly. Because that is, that's the empowerment that we can give the, to the person who's the, the victim or at, at the receiving end of the judgment in these cases. And in this episode too, I thought it was really good. We see Blair get emotional and she says, I'm so embarrassed and she cries. And so we finally see that like 
emotional side of her instead of the ice cold, nothing affects me. And then, she, and when she's in that I'm embarrassed place, we see her hiding, we see her um, trying to go to the restaurant to meet the friends and feeling uncertain about it. And then as soon as she switches into like, I'm getting back at Jenny, she, we see that mode switch and she, then she's completely empowered. We're back to empowered Blair. I have a plan. I'm taking Jenny down. She's not going to take my spot and I have a mission. And she goes from the feeling of embarrassed and weak and insecure to feeling like I have a mission and we just see everything in her life change as she changes that thought. Sounds good. Okay, so back, yes, yeah, so a, a little blip there. <laughs> Back to talking about, right, the emotions and the feelings um, and saying, I love you and trust. Nikki, where, yeah. what are your thoughts? Well, I think it was really interesting because that whole, you know, I love you thing coming out. Now, we definitely could say I love you easily to people. Like Serena said it fairly flippantly to somebody who did her a favor and she's like, oh, I love you. And so Dan, from the way it looked, kind of internalized like her saying I love you doesn't really mean that much. And I think that she's not used to somebody really loving her for reasons that are not about either what she owns or what she can give them or whether they want to have sex with her or whatever. So she ends up going back and asking Dan, why do you love me? Now, do you think that people have to have reasons why they love somebody and say it? Because I know I, I'm asking my husband that sometimes like I'm wondering why but you know is it enough just to love somebody do you need reasons to love them like what do you think yeah I mean and uh, well as you ask that I'm thinking what does that say about those of us who are asking the question if we're saying but why do you love me we're the ones having some doubts not necessarily the, the person offering the love um right so, so true right like, so why why don't we just see yes exactly yeah. why don't we say of course you love me I'm awesome <laughs> why are we asking someone to explain their right reasons? exactly hey hey Teen TV drama mama lovers. It's Dr. Nikki here. And I just want to apologize for some technical difficulties we had. We were almost done with the episode. And so the thing I want to leave you with is that your lovability is complete. From the moment you are born, you are lovable and don't need the external validation in order to know it. We are born lovable. We are meant to be on the planet. The likelihood of us being here is so minute. We had to live generations and generations, survive and survive, and we are here, and we are here for a reason, and we are completely lovable. So if this resonates with you, please like, rate, review, and share. Watch these episodes together. You moms and daughters will love it. Listen to this episode and then talk amongst yourselves about what you think should be done or not done and how you could relate it to each other. All right. I love you guys. Take care.